Welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. John Schmelk, Lance Meadow with you. The phone number is 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. If you prefer to get in touch with us that way, you can. want to remind you that Big Blue Kickoff Live is brought to you by Coors Light. Enter to win the ultimate VIP game day experience courtesy of Coors Light. Text VIP to 90464. For more details, well, game day is here. Hope you guys had a great Giants-free weekend. Got to watch a little bit of other football. We'll, of course, have our full-throated Giants-Cowboys preview. Uh, today, well, Mickey Spagnola from DallasCowboys.com join us to close out the show at 2.15. Mickey, of course, in the Tri-State area. He'll be at the game tonight. We have a short pregame show on the radio, so we're not going to hear from Mickey on the air, but we wanted to get him on today. Uh, Lance, let's start with the news over the weekend, and that was Sterling Shepard, unfortunately. And, you know, with the concussions, you just never know how these things are going to go. After being cleared from protocol and practicing a couple of days, he reported symptoms, wasn't feeling well, went back into protocol. Who knows how long it's going to be, but the bottom line, at least for today, he's not going to be in action against the Cowboys tonight. Yeah, it's a fluid situation, John, with any concussion. It's certainly unfortunate news because it really changed dramatically, it seemed, in the span of 24 hours. He was cleared on Saturday, the Giants announced, and then later that night, according to what the Giants released in a statement on Sunday, he all of a sudden started to have some issues. And by the way, reported practice. Reported that to the training staff. Practice in full for three straight days. Yeah, I mean, he was clearly making progress, and he spoke to the media also. And sounded very optimistic. He was ready to get back on the field. He talked about, John, how it was such a challenge being a spectator. And he compared it to, you know, when you have an ankle or a foot injury, you sort of know when you're 100%. When it's a concussion, you really never know when you're 100% for this very reason. Because all of a sudden, symptoms can show up when you least suspect. Yeah, I was talking with somebody this morning casually, and they're like, you know, it's hard. And I said, guys, look, here's the thing. You can do a MRI of a hamstring, an x-ray of an arm. You know, whatever you want to do, there's no test to tell you when you're ready to come back from a concussion. And I'm happy that Sterling reported his symptoms. Sometimes players don't do that. If you recall, he even said after that first time he suffered a concussion this year when he got nearly knocked out against the Cowboys in Week 1, that he knew he probably had one. He just chose not to report it. So it's a good thing that he reported it. It's for his long-term health and safety. And they're once again going to be very cautious as to when he gets back on the field. Yeah, and I also think just from listening to what he told the media, John, he's learned from his previous experiences, to your point. I think from talking to the specialists, the doctors, that provides a little bit of a different perspective. And, you know, right now the utmost importance is for him from a health perspective, to get back to 100%. Football, to me, is secondary when it comes to Sterling Shepard right now. I'm sure a lot of fans are looking forward to seeing him on the football field, and he would have finally given the Giants that complete set of talent, John, that we've been waiting for to put around Daniel Jones. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen tonight, but... On the flip side, Darius Slayton has been very impressive over the last few games. He's been a consistent force. You look forward to him continuing to build chemistry with Daniel Jones, along with Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram. So, you know, they're going to have as close to 100% that we've seen in quite some time. Just the one guy right now that they're still waiting on is, unfortunately, Sterling Shepard because of the setback. All right, well, let's talk about the game tonight. And you take a look at the Cowboys' numbers, Lance, when I looked at their tape. We've had questions about Dak Prescott before, exactly how good he is. Well, he's proven it all this year. The Cowboys have the number one offense in football in terms of yards per game and in terms of yards per play. They're fourth in passing yards per game, first in passing yards per play. So he is throwing the ball down the field and being efficient. He has his highest completion percentage of his, of, 
highest completion percentage of his career. Uh, is it at 70% or right below it now? I think it's just below it, if I'm not mistaken, right? Well, he's on pace to make it a new career high. That's the way that I would word it. I can look up exactly where his previous career high was, but he's certainly in position, to your point, for the completion percentage to be a new career high, and he's also in position for gain per play, yes. per pass, if you want to word it that way, for also to set a new career high there. So and, and he's, he's been impressive. And he has over 70% completions, 2,000 yards, 12 touchdowns, 7 picks in just 7 games. He has put the ball in danger a little bit more than in the past. Take a little bit more chances, you'll put the ball in danger a little bit. And, boy, this Cowboy offense, Lance, it is probably the best offense the Giants will see this season, depending on what you think of Aaron Rodgers and the Packers when they play him in the second half of the year. But this offense is great, it's balanced, and it is healthy. Yeah. Uh, that loss against the Jets a few weeks ago, they were without Amari Cooper and their two starting offensive tackles. They're all back. So, oh boy, this is going to be a real, real test for a Giants defense that has not shown they've been able to handle even offenses that aren't as prodigious as this Cowboys one. Well, they were also without Randall Cobb in that Jets game too, John. Mm, so, point. you know, they were down two of their top wide receivers as well as, to your point, both tackles. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, this is going to be quite a test for the Giants. And to me, w aside from the names on paper, it's real easy for the Giants. You've got to contain the explosive plays, John. If you don't contain the explosive plays against an offense like this, it's going to be very tough sledding. Forget winning and losing, just to remaining competitive in a game like this. And that's been the Achilles heel for this team, week in and week out. And sometimes it comes in the form of giving up ground attack big plays. For example, the Arizona Cardinals game, John. And then you go to the Lions game a week later, it was through the air with Marvin Hall and Kennedy Galladay. Well, what do the Cowboys pose? You get the two-headed monster. Zeke can easily have an explosive play on the ground. He can run for 20 yards or more. And then between Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, the tight ends. Randall Cobb. You name it. Laundry list of players, they can easily have all of the big plays through the air. If memory serves me correct, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I think Dallas had seven plays of 20 or more yards in week one against the Giants. That sounds right. And overall, I'm, by the way, they are tied for 12th with 28 completions of 20-plus yards this year. They've been a consistent force. Uh, the numbers prove it. The eye test proves it. So, you know, this to me is going to be a game. If you want to look for progress for an individual, I'm very interested to see how DeAndre Baker plays tonight. Because remember, John, week one was his first glimpse of regular season action, and there were miscues. It was somewhat of baptism by fire. This is going to be now an opportunity for him to go up against an opponent for the second time and see how he adjusts lining up against the Michael Gallups, the Amari Coopers of the world. So if you're looking for one player and you want to see how far he's come along, and two DeAndre Baker's credit, he has come along. He's made some significant strides. But this game, I think, is of note because now you're going up against guys who you've seen yourself on film struggle against. How do you make the necessary adjustments? And also, what does the personnel on the opposite side of the line do to try to counter some of the adjustments that he's going to make? Yeah, that and throw in the pass rush. This is yeah. a for a team that has a lot of sacks, but their pressure percentage isn't what you want it to be. And I had put this up the other day. I'll try and find it after after you take it from here, Lance. Um, they get sacks, but they don't get consistent pressure. And there's there's a couple metrics I'll give you when I when I pull them up. But Prescott on passes that travel 20 more yards in the air this year. This is from P PFF. 21 of 38, 755 yards, and six touchdowns, three picks. 
So they are throwing down the field often. So if the Giants do not bother Prescott, I don't care how well DeAndre Baker plays or any of the other guys play, they are going to have a lot of trouble covering these guys because Kellen Moore runs vertical routes. He runs those deep crossers. What have the Giants have troubles with this year, Lance? Vertical routes and deep crossers. Yep. A couple other numbers that are really impressive from this Cowboys defense. One, you're right. they got to take care of the big plays. The other thing they have to take care of is third down. Well, guess what? The Cowboys are the best third down team in football. They're converting 52% of their trips overall. And in the red zone, they're ninth. And on third and long, they're even better. So this team on third down, Lance, is simply phenomenal. And that's something else the Giants have struggled at. Well, it's interesting you brought up third down because their defense is not too shabby either, John. Just Mm -hmm. to look at what the Giants' offense needs to do tonight. Dallas is second right behind the Patriots in terms of third down defense. They are very stingy, not allowing a lot of flexibility. 80 attempts by their opponents, just 21 conversions. And remember, the Giants already played the number one third down defense New England a few weeks ago. So now they get the second best team in the NFL. Just a side note in terms of what you were pointing out on offense. I want to bring up, real quick, I have the number 35% on third downs of more than six yards, which is the tops in the league for the Cowboys. Well, and you know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of the Lions game, John, because if you go back to the Detroit game, Detroit did not have a lot of manageable third downs in that contest. They had third and sevens, third and eights, third and nines, remember? Absolutely. And we were talking about this on the post game during the game. I remember the recap show we did the Monday after. So it wasn't as if the Giants weren't making stops on first and second down. The problem was it really made no difference. The down and distance of the Lions on third down, they still came through. So the number you just threw out tells me the same thing about the Cowboys. You put the Cowboys in a third and eight, you put them in a third and ten, you put them in a third and five, it really doesn't make much of a difference because they've been rather efficient in that department. So heading into this week, this is the number I had. The Giants defense, 10th in the league with 22 sacks, tied for 10th. That's pretty good on the, on, on, on the surface, right? Yeah, compared to last year, too. Well, Exactly. But then you look at pro football focus, they break down pressures, which is a combination of sacks, quarterback hits, and hurries, where you don't touch the quarterback, but you affect the pass. Obviously, what's a hurry and what's not can be subjective, but they use the same standard for all the teams, so everything should kind of line up, right? So the Giants have a 27.6% pressure rate. The percent of pass plays, they register a sack, quarterback hit, or the hurry. It's last in the NFL. Just goes to show you sacks don't tell the whole story. That's what you pretty much laid out there. That you can't just look at the sack numbers. You got to look at everything else. And that's also why coaches tell you the same thing. Now, sacks are more important than pressures. Don't get me wrong. Because it finishes the job. Still. But it's a little misleading. Now, I'm going to go against what I just told you. Just a quick point about the sacks. Please. The Dallas game is the only game this season where the Giants failed to register a sack and had less than two sacks because in every other game since, John, they've had at least two sacks. So they've been fairly consistent since week one. And now this Dallas offensive line is relatively in good shape after a few of the guys, as we were pointing out off the top of the show, had been in and out of the lineup. So this is going to, I think, also be a good test to see how the Giants go up against what is considered one of the best offensive lines in the NFL over the last few years. Granted, they maybe fall off in a few categories because some of the personnel has been moved around. They've invited some young guys in on the interior. But I still think 
you know, what we've seen out of this Giants pass rush has been encouraging, regardless of your point about the pressures and so forth. It's better than it was last Correct. year. Correct. And that, to me, is a big indication. Where were they at this point last year, and where are they now? Let's see if they can find a way to get after Dak Prescott, who's also extremely elusive himself, and he's able to extend plays. And that's a big reason why Dallas gets those explosive plays, because he can buy some additional time when he rolls out of the pocket and get the guys on those routes whether it be a crossing route or a vertical route, to give them a few extra seconds to get open. And they have a guy named Ezekiel Elliott, too, by the way, who is pretty good. And he runs the ball, and he's darn efficient at it. I thought maybe he had his best game of the year against the Eagles in the game before the bye. He was very elusive. He ran over a poor Eagles defensive back at around the (laughs) three-yard line, running in for a touchdown. He runs with power. He's not the most elusive guy in the world, but he runs through people, always gets the extra yards, has good hands, receiver out of the backfield. And then they have those two kind of jack-of-all-trades guys who's kind of like that slash weapon. Tavon Austin, who will run on jet street, jet sweeps, and they'll get him in space a little bit. And then Tony Pollard, their second running back, who they started using with Elliott at the same time in their last game. And they also split him out wide as a wide receiver. He played a lot of receiver when he was in Memphis. He's a rookie running back. So those are three other weapons that are dangerous with the ball in their hands that the Giants have to look out for closer to the line of scrimmage. No, I think that's a great point. Plus, you know, I alluded to this earlier with respect to the tight ends. John, Jason Witten still finding a way to make plays. What, 31 targets, 26 catches? He's up there in terms of near the team lead and Lance, for the Cowboys this season. he's still playing 80% of the snaps. Yeah, it's unreal. It's unbelievable, and Jarwin's kind of more of their big play long guy, and he has he has the Giants number, by the way, the last couple yeah, of times they've played. three touchdowns so. in the last game here at MetLife Stadium. All right, let's jump to the other side of the ball, because I think the Giants are going to have to score points in this game if they want to win, and the Cowboys' defense, their overall numbers lands very strong, but they have had some up-and-down moments this year where teams have taken advantage of them in the run game and the pass game. Well, the Packers game comes to mind about their issues on the ground, yep. John, mm-hmm. as you just mentioned. You know, that game, Aaron Jones just ran wild. He had four touchdowns. He was extremely effective in the red zone, which is a place where most Dallas opponents don't strive. So, yeah, there have been a few slip-ups, a and big then, play against the Jets here at MetLife Stadium. Bingo. You know, that to me was a huge turning point in that game. I know they were banged up, but, you know, hey, that was a a golden opportunity for the Jets with Robbie Anderson. He took full advantage, and uh, that's how you lose a game by two points on the road against a team that clearly is struggling based on what we saw against the Dolphins yesterday. But getting back to the point here, yeah, in terms of their defense, fifth in the red zone, only allowing opponents to score 46% of the time, so they've been very strong there. Their total defense, eighth. They're ninth against the pass, tied for 13th against the run. So, you know, this is a top 10 unit we're talking about. Maybe the only thing lacking is... Second on third downs, by the way. Uh, there's another valid point in terms of their third down defense, which we were talking about earlier. That gets back mm-hmm. to 21 of 80 opponents are just 26% to be specific. I would say if there's two areas that have not jumped out to me about the Dallas defense this year, it's the sacks. Even though Robert Quinn, I would argue, has done a really nice job as a free agent dish. He leads the team with six. You know, there was talk about how much gas he would have in the tank. Tyrone Crawford, they lost for the season with a hip injury. So between Quinn and Demarcus Lawrence, you know, they've at least been able to maintain a one-two punch. And then the takeaways just have not been there. They have not been a very opportunistic defense, just nine takeaways. They're even in turnover differential, which is not killing them. It's not terrible. But there have been seasons where Dallas sometimes was a top-five team in turnover differential. Certainly not the case this year. 
And Pro Football Focus on the Cowboys' pressure. They pressure the quarterback on 34% of their dropbacks, only 19th in the league. So their production has not equaled the names. And they just added Michael Bennett over the last two weeks. Malik Collins is a good pass rusher from defensive tackle. They did lose their veteran, Tyron Crawford, who's out for the year with another shoulder or hip injury, I should say. And so they have four guys on third downs. They're going to march out there that can all rush the quarterback. And this reminds me a little bit of that game against Tampa. Where you go in and you're like, boy, the numbers on defense aren't very good. Uh, the Cardinals, rather. Where you go, look, the numbers on defense aren't very good. But you look at those two edge rushers and you say, oh, boy, those guys are going to be a handful. Well, that they are a handful. Now, we did learn today it doesn't look like Leighton Van Der Esch is going to play a linebacker. For the Cowboys, oh, we'll just start Sean Lee. So yeah. it's a hit. Unfortunately, have some depth. Joe Thomas is somebody else that will get a lot of playing time now. He's been a good linebacker for them this year. And then in the secondary, uh, the only real big weak spot, I think, is Jeff Heath maybe as, as a safety. If you get him in space, he can struggle. He's better at the line of scrimmage. Uh, Byron Jones is a very good corner. The other corners are kind of solid, just not not bad, not great. They're just you know good quality NFL starters. So I think this is going to be a game where – Saquon Barkley is going to have to have a big-time contest. Daniel Jones is going to have to have a big-time contest, and they're going to have to avoid turnovers. If you go into this game, you turn the ball over, you're the Giants, you're not winning. So that's what you got to figure out. You can do that type of things against this Cowboys defense if you play it right and you protect, but easier said than done. Yeah, they had two turnovers in the first meeting back in week one. One, of course, was Daniel Jones' lost fumble, which really came at a time where the game, I think, was settled at that point. So you may not want to put much stock into it, but you're right. I think Saquon Barkley is somebody they got to lean on in terms of running the ball consistently, putting together lengthy drives, John, trying to wear down this Cowboys defense, getting these linebackers to have to cover a lot of space because, you know, the one thing about Dallas's team They've got a lot of athletes on defense, okay? Whether or not you're enamored with them, they've got guys that can easily cover East and West territory. Jalen Smith has been one of the best stories in the NFL in terms of him recovering from that significant nerve damage injury in college in Notre Dame to becoming a Pro Bowl player. You mentioned Sean Lee now is not a guy they have to rely on. You know, there were years where if Sean Lee was hurt, John— They finished. The Dallas defense was unrecognizable compared to when Lee was in the lineup. Now, because of Leighton Van Der Esch, you know, Sean Lee can be that complementary piece. He doesn't have to be the heavy lifter. So that's given them some flexibility. Joe Thomas, who you brought up, a former Green Bay Packer, who now has taken on a more significant role with the Dallas defense. But my point is, you want to make those linebackers get up there and snap count. You want to wear them down. And the way you do that is with the run game. So that's going to be an important facet of the Giants' offense today and whether or not they can maintain those lengthy drives is going to be all based on how well they do on third down. And third down, to me, John, has fluctuated. We've seen games where it's been impressive, and then we've seen other games where it's been absolutely miserable. That's going to tell a lot in today's game. And they better get in the third and reasonable. Yeah. Because much like the Cowboys' offense was great on third and long, well, guess what they are on defense? On third and seven or more yards... Cowboys opponents are converting only 7.7% of their third downs. 7%! Which is not a surprise based on how they are overall on third down. And by the way, their opponents also help there too. They've played the Dolphins, they've played the Redskins. So that obviously will will lend into that. They've have, those teams have quarterback problems, obviously. But the bottom line, you like to your point, you better have production on first and second down, whether it's running it with Saquon or doing short passes with Jones, things like that. Golden Tate has done damage against the Cowboys when he was in Detroit and Seattle, so that's something to keep an eye on, but 
That's the last thing for me. You have to be productive here, Lance. Protect the quarterback. Be productive on first and second down. Those are these. Look, if you're not productive on first and second down, they're going to tee off on your quarterback on third down. So all those issues are linked, obviously. Those, to me, are the things the Giants offense has to be good at today if they want a shot. Uh, here's another thing that I think we should bring up before we open up the conversation. I, I think special teams warrants a mention in this game, John. And the reason I bring that up, it, it's more so about giving opportunities to the Cowboys Brett Maher, their kicker, has been outstanding this season. We're from talking deep, about... Not from short, though. Well, yeah, but from deep. <laughs> no, but my point is, when you think maybe you're forcing Dallas to punt, right. Jason Garrett will send him out. He did that against the Eagles right before the half, and he came through with a 60-plus yard field goal. He's nailed two 60-plus yard field goals. First kicker and second kicker in history to have two 60-plus yard field goals in the same year. I think Janikowski was the second, if I remember right. You could be correct. Something I'm like unaware that. of that stat, but yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that holds to be true. He's three for five from 50 plus yards. So the reason I bring that up is at the end of halves, the two minute drill, you got to be cautious if you're the Giants and you're on defense because Brent Maher's range is a lot different than other kickers. So that's one thing to note. And then the other aspect is the left footed punter and how you handle that. Now, the Giants have brought in a left-footed punter on their practice squad to get good looks. Thomas McGahee even talked about that this week when he spoke to the media. So they've had some familiarity, but that's also, as our very own Jeff Fiegels can tell you, it's a completely different look compared to what you see game in and game out. Oh, you hear a lot of breakdown on the left-footed punter on the pregame show. Oh, absolutely. On that's a little make tease sure, just for you. Make yeah. sure you tune into that. Must listen to radio. Oh, yes. It sounds absolutely. like Absolutely. Big Blue Kickoff Live is brought to you by Coors Light. And to win the <laughs> ultimate VIP game day experience, courtesy of Coors Light, text VIP to 90464 for more details. All right, folks, let's get to the phones. We take your calls for the next half an hour or so, or 25 minutes. Then we will get to Mickey Spagnola from Dallas Cowboys. Dot com. Let's go to the phones and say what's up to Marcus in Arizona who will lead us off. Hey, Marcus. Hey, how you guys doing? Hey, right. Marcus, can you take us off speaker, please? Yeah, you're off. Thank you. How you guys doing? We're doing good. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. What do you got for us? All right, I just wanted to uh, hopefully provide some optimistic, optimism for next year. Uh, I was watching the San Francisco game the other night, and compared to where San Francisco was when Kyle Shanahan got there, this is year three of San Francisco's plan. So maybe we should be a little bit patient with Shermer, Betcher, and Gettleman. Well, yeah, look, yeah, look, I agree with you. Everyone knew this was stage two here. Stage three is next year when you're going to really start trying to build up a little bit more. That's what I'm saying. Look at how good San Francisco is compared to the last two years, and, and they're lights out in year three. Well, so the, just, the other thing... A well, no, I agree with you, Marcus. The other thing, though, to take into consideration, Jimmy Garoppolo was hurt one year. He tore his ACL. So, you know, it's understandable they were going to struggle. They lost their quarterback. Then again, the Giants have switched quarterbacks this year, no, too. true, absolutely. But I, I think just the dynamics of how they've put together the team, slightly different than perhaps what the Giants are faced with. And they also have a lot more top 10 picks on their roster right now than the Giants do. Especially with their defensive front yep. and how they've constructed that. Mm -hmm. yeah. well, I mean, yeah, but if you think about our defense, not just our drafts, but we have a bunch of first-round picks in our defense now. Like a bunch. So a lot of top picks. But the thing I would like to see tonight besides the win is I want to see 40 rushing attempts between Gallman and Barkley, whether we're down or not. Because I think so you want to lose. Keep Dallas <laughs> off the field, and we just need to run the ball. 
just run it and no, run but Marcus, it and run it. Marcus, what happens if you run it and you gain two yards per carry and you're in third and six and you're punting? You're down twenty-one nothing in the second quarter. You want to keep running it? Yes, they're gonna they're gonna keep, they're gonna break one. I mean, look at in week one. So lose, this so. was my frustration <laughs> with week one. No, I felt like Sean Payton in the Saints game was down by twenty-four at the half. I think by like twenty something, and they came out in the third and they ran it. I think like forty. 50% of the time in the second half, it still won the game. Like, they used which game? Camara Down by really 24? Good. Do you remember so, which game that was? The Saints you're talking I mean, about this season? the first game of the season, because I was so mad that I think, what, Saquon had like 15 rushing attempts or something? I was a little upset. So you're so, talking about but, that Texans game? They huh? were never down by 24 they in were that down Texans 14, game. They were 14-3 was their yeah, biggest was deficit. 11-point deficit. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I get it. Sorry, I was maybe... That was a long time ago. That's okay. But I do it's remember okay. watching yeah. Sean Payton use Kamara like as a running back most of the game. I just, me personally, I'm more look excited for year three in the plan. I hope we get uh, either that free safety from LSU or Chase Young from Ohio State in the first round, and I think we could turn things around. So, thank, thank you, Marcus. All. Appreciate all right, Marcus. the call, bud. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Well, Chase Young's unbelievable. He's having just a ridiculous college season um look you never go into the game and say we need to run it x number of times that's not how you win that's how you lose and i understand you want to run the ball effectively i agree with the concept and then the theme and the thoughts behind this saquon hasn't gotten going in the two games he's been back you want to get him going no argument we've seen teams run on this cowboy defense before go to the playoff game last year against the rams where they have so much movement and they try to get a field so much they get these big holes guys can make really really big plays in the running game Really big plays in the running game. That's my guy Brian brought us in the Cowboys column, who we have on the show sometimes. Um, so that's what you're looking for when you have Barkley out there. But you can't say we need to run X number of times and that help us win the game. And if you're down three scores in the third quarter, no, you shouldn't keep running yeah, well, because you're going to lose. <laughs> yeah, it's something called urgency does not afford you the luxury of doing that. Also, by the way, dumping it off to Saquon Barkley as a receiver which is what the Saints do with Alvin Kamara, to me, is an extension of the run game. So Good when point. you say you have to run the football, it's a little misleading. I, I think the larger point is get the ball in the hands of your best playmakers, and that could easily come with a two-yard dump-off and then see if he can then gain yak yardage. You can always sell that as a big part of the run game. I don't think you need to go into a game saying, hey, we've got to give Saquon Barkley 20-some-odd touches. That, to me, reminds me of, can you imagine a quarterback, John, goes into a game and says, I've got to target this wide receiver 15 times? So that means you want him to only look in that direction of the field when he's got other guys winning one-on-one battles? Come on. Now, that's just silly. You, you can't think like that. That sounds more like he's on your fantasy football team than you want to win a football game. And especially, what if the Cowboys start putting eight guys in the box and stuff, and they're clogging the line, and you got one-on-one -on -one coverage outside? No, you attack the coverage. Guys, look, in some ways, football's a simple game. It's all about numbers. If you have seven blockers and they only have six guys, if you have six blockers, they only have five or six guys in the, block, in the box, that's an advantage for you. If you have six guys in the box looking to block and they have seven or eight, well, guess what? That's not a great opportunity to run the football. So it's all about numbers. You know, we talked about this last year when teams would just rush three and drop eight guys in the coverage and the Giants were sending out four wide receivers. Well, guess what? It's hard for four guys to get open against eight guys in coverage. It's, 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 <laughs> yeah. it's you know, football Basic sometimes math. it's a really, really simple numbers game. And, and, and that's kind of what it is. 201-939-4513. Back to... Oh, no, I'm not going to him next. Line three, Greg Thank in Atlanta. Goodness. We'll go to Greg. Greg, what's Ooh. up? Thank goodness. What's happening, Greg? Hey, I, 
How you guys doing, man? We're good. Doing right. Yeah, man. I just called. Uh, I got a couple of things to say, man. I like the direction that the Giants are headed in. Although we're two and six, we got key players at key positions, and we just need to continue to build. The Leonard Williams thing was a good pickup because you can always add depth. Um, but I two points. Out, well, one is a question. Well, both are questions actually. One is uh, with the trade deadline. That just passed is over with, right? Correct. 20, October 29th. It's that over. That is correct. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm just wondering, like, what are we doing with Eli Manning? Did we try to shop him? Or are we going to let him retire next year? Or what's the deal? Well, his contract's up after the year, so Eli will make a decision on what he wants to do. It's really that simple. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. His contract is up after the year. Yeah, that's okay. right. And the other, other thing I want to say, and it's, not, it's more so of a point than a question, I just would like – I was upset when we picked Daniel, Daniel Jones in the beginning. And I, I liked a lot of people. But he won me over. Now I'm, I'm a little excited about what we have. The only thing I would like to see with him is someone please tell him it's okay to fumble. I mean, that, it's not okay, but it happens. But yeah, you're okay. lucky. Hold the ball with two hands. <laughs> Yo, I just need to see some more of that. And I'll be extremely happy with Daniel Jones. And I hope the Giants win tonight. But uh, I just hope that uh, I just see we're trending in the right direction, man. Thank so you, Greg. I, uh, that's all I had to say. Awesome. Have appreciate the call, bud. Right, appreciate Greg. it. And look, I think you have to like what you see out of Daniel Jones. The f- and look, we had this conversation two years ago when we talked about the quarterback class. The fumbles don't worry me. It's easy to coach out fumbles, all right? Get two hands on the ball. It's, a, it's, it's not easy, but it's easier, right? You get into a better habit, essentially. Yeah, there are, there are fundamental things that you can do from a technical standpoint to hold on to the football in the pocket. Now, decision-making under pressure and throwing the ball into coverage. Those are the two things that I'd look at with Jones where you want to make sure he gets that squared away because Lance, even on plays where he hasn't thrown interceptions, there's been a lot of plays here where he's thrown the ball into crowded areas where you know guys have had chances for picks they haven't made them, and that's where he has to be a little bit careful moving forward. Yeah, because the last thing you want to do is kill the momentum of your offense on a lengthy drive or also change the field position for your defense. But, you know, there's also the throws he makes to Darius Slayton last week where he put it where his guy went up on a jump ball, made a play for his quarterback, and was able to get into the end zone. So, you know, those are the encouraging signs. On the flip side, you want to see him understand, hey, there's times when you need to take those chances and there's times when it's probably safe to just, hey, dump it off or throw the ball away and live to see another down in another day. Yeah, and don't hold the ball sometimes, which, yeah. which can also get you into trouble. 201-939-4513. All right, Charlie, line four. Let's get it over with. Hey, buddy. <laughs> Let's get it over with. Turn out the lights. The party's over. <laughs> hey, is it supposed to rain tonight? Because I hear there's going to be a bunch of booze coming from MetLife Stadium. Oh, boy. Wow. <laughs> You've really been working on some new material, I see. I'm glad that we're the guinea pigs. What what else is on your laundry list of okay, I material? Just, look, yeah. I just, re- you know, I just saw a stat. The offense has given up 19 turnovers, and I think we're in the top two or three of doing that. Yep, number one. Do you know how many of those are Mr. Jones, Mr. Fumbles? Fifteen of those are him. Fifteen of those turnovers are him. Yep, that's what we just talked about. Yep, that's exactly what we just talked about. So, 
one if he, you know, if he has two or three or four tonight, well, that's a problem. Is is that going to sit him down, or or is we got to wait to the next week when he has another two Th- or three? That's not or happening, Charlie. Then we got to sit him. When does it come to a point where this guy is a detriment to his own growth in the team? And you say it's oh, it's correctable. Those fumbles are real. Cl- you know, we can fix those. Well, he hasn't in six games. He hasn't. How is he going to do with the last week? He didn't fumble last week, yeah, Charlie. Didn't. That's a good step in the right yes, direction. He well, he didn't lose a fumble. Week. He didn't lose a fumble last oh, week. Oh, that's right. He, he didn't jumped lose a back fumble. You're right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. My bad. Yeah. You're right. Absolutely. Well, but Charlie, I, I completely disagree with you if your point is that you teach him to not fumble by sitting him on the bench, though. Okay, it's one thing to say he's got to clean up the ball security. That's fair. It's another thing to then say, well, the way we get him to correct that is for him to become a spectator. Yeah, Charlie, the fact that, that doesn't make you it. You use him in practice, and you, you hit him with everything you've got. You know those guys go out there with pads, and they hit him You know when he's got the ball in his hand. Okay, and they're Do doing some of that stuff. three weeks and see if he can still hold on to but it Charlie, and put him back in. You're, you're missing the larger point. This, this path they're down now is not even so much about this year as it is about future years. And you're helping the franchise in future seasons by having him out there and taking these bumps and bruises and learning how to play the position now than rather than having to learn about it later. And yeah, you might have some painful you know, games along the way. That happens when you play a rookie quarterback. But they're going to come one way or another. It's either going to come now or it's going to come later. Look, there's no way we win this game. And if, it, you know, I... I it, I mean, we're going to get blown out. I, you just see it. We, you know, we always play at home, and we always lay a big egg, and Dallas is going to be, you know, just cooking. And to me, it's like, sit him down, give Eli an opportunity to play, let him go out this year, and you can have Jones next year fumble some more. You know, I, I just don't get it. This, you know, I don't want everyone so high on this guy when he has a major, major flaw. Is everybody blind? No, but Charlie, here's the thing. It is a flaw. There's no question about it. It's something that has to be corrected. But there are some guys, when you get them out there to play quarterback, and once you see him in a game, you don't even see the path to them becoming good. You see a path here to him becoming a very good quarterback. Like, you go watch... You know, Dwayne Haskins, and right now you don't see a path the way he's playing. He's not even close. You go out there, you go watch, you know, Josh Allen, and you wonder, is this kid ever going to be accurate enough to be a high-efficiency quarterback? Can he do other things? Sure. Is he ever going to be accurate enough? Um, you know, look look at Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. You, you see yeah. a path there, but there are a lot of problems. Sam Darnold, a lot of problems, but yeah. there's a path. So, you know, you have to give these guys a chance to work through these issues. Otherwise, you're never going to know what you have. Yeah, well, the thing is, I think you're going to know what you have. If I'm just saying, if he, if he tonight has three or four turnovers, fumbles, Interceptions I can understand a bit, but not the fumbles. So if he has two or three fumbles, a couple of interceptions, I mean, come on, it's not correctable. He is not learning. You know, you can't just keep putting this guy in there and letting him keep fumbling and turning the ball over. You know, you've got to sit him down at some point and say, look, you know, you can't keep doing this. You better watch and learn. And in practice, you're going to be able to have to hold on to the ball. Well, but they're doing that, Charlie. Well, what you don't understand is... Make sure you can hold on yeah, to the Yeah, but Charlie, ball. what you don't understand is, Charlie, during practice, they're working on those things. Thank you, Charlie. Appreciate and the, the second hey, thing is, in the film session, he's learning because he's watching 
and talking to Alex Taddy and Eli Manning. So those things can be done, John, simultaneously while also playing in the games. You know, it's almost as if Charlie's point is he gets more out of not playing because now he has more time to work on the fundamentals. You can work on the fundamentals and also prepare to be a starting quarterback. More important to me is that there are things you learn on the field that you cannot learn on the practice Absolutely. field or in the film room. And that's what he's doing. He's, he's taking his licks. Look, when you, what do we talk about before the year with young players? You're going to have growing pains. And it's nowhere more apparent than at the quarterback position. It takes years sometimes for these guys to figure these things out. It really does. It's it doesn't just go smoothly for everybody. Yeah. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Let's go back to the phones. Scott is in New Mexico. He's up next. Hey, Scott. Hi, guys. How are you? What's up, nice guy? Uh, I'm going to try to be a little bit more positive about the, uh, the Giants. And one key, I'm more interested in the game. I'm not so much interested in what Daniel Jones does other than hopefully perform well tonight. But the key to the game, I think, is something you addressed a little bit earlier, Lance, which is time of possession. And I think that'll be the key to the Giants' victory. And one of the things I wanted to ask, I don't know if you saw the New England-Baltimore uh, game last night. hmm and in that game, forgetting that Lamar Jackson is in a class by himself so far as what he does, but they used a number of different tight ends, and they brought in a tackle, I think. Can the Giants adapt that to create perhaps more running abilities for Saquon and for Wayne Goldman? Can they adapt something similar? I'm not saying exactly the same thing, or or do RPOs with more personnel like double tight ends or, or a tackle and to, to create the ability to be able to run more. And I was just curious if a, if something like that can be adapted for tonight yeah, uh, I mean, against it's, it's, Dallas's team. It's possible. They can do it. I, I just don't know if they're going to. And I, I'm always of the mind, the more people you put at that line of scrimmage and you jam up there, whether it's multiple tight ends, a fullback, or even an extra offensive lineman, a lot of the times all that does is draw more defenders into the box and there's less okay. room to run. I'm more of a guy that I want to spread the field. You have a guy with Saquon Barkley that's great in space. Why do I want to bring even more guys into that box at the line of scrimmage? Now, if you're talking like, you know, certain specific situations where you want to pound the football, that's fine. If a team is weak up front, they have light linemen or light linebackers, you want to pound it, that's fine. But generally speaking, you start putting multiple tight ends in, you start putting in, you know, multiple offensive linemen, which is, you know, obviously a, a bigger factor than the tight ends. You're just going to jam more and more people up in that box, and it's, there's going to be less room to move. Yeah, and I also okay. think you know that's a staple of Baltimore's offense, too. That's good point. Uh, they've been utilizing multiple tight ends, and Mark Ingram and Lamar Jackson is a one-two punch in terms of their backfield. They utilize Gus Edwards. You know What you were seeing last night was certainly impressive. Scott, I, I don't think it was necessarily anything earth-shattering that the Ravens haven't leaned on earlier in the season. I guess that's right. my bigger point. And with the bigger people up front, Scott, Jackson's added running ability right. creates more space just because of his ability to use misdirection and stuff like that. Yeah. But also, Dan, uh, Daniel Jones has the ability to run, not obviously like Lamar Jackson, but he they can know. take off. And again, that's why I was sort of leaning that way. My last question, and I'll take it off the air, uh, was basically with Leonard Williams. Having him on the line, does that lessen the possibility of 
creating more blitz packages for tonight because they'd be worried about what uh, you know uh, the Dallas team would be able to do with that? Or do you think that will increase the chances of maybe going back to what Besher was famous for, which was uh, you know blitzing most of the time? And I'll take your answers off the air, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Appreciate the phone call, Scott. If, no? What? No? I don't think it does. Do you? No, I, I don't think it does either. What actually he just reminded me of, and I was going to bring up the document, I, I thought I saw a note that actually when the Giants are blitzing, quarterbacks have actually been extremely successful, uh, John. Did you see I that did. note that I'm talking about? Well, that was a note that I had in my okay. uh, top five things for the second half of the year because I've had people ask questions, well, why don't the Giants blitz more? Yeah. So here's my quote. I'll read myself. So why not blitz more? According to Pro Football Focus, when the Giants blitz this year, opposing quarterbacks are 51 of 74 for 771 yards and four touchdowns. That would explain it. That's not good. Four touchdowns and no interceptions, by the way. Yes. 51 of 74. That's a 70. That's a higher. That's like a 77% completion percentage. 51 completions for 771 yards. That's 15 plus yards per catch. No. Blitzing has not. Worked. If anything, Williams' presence maybe gives you more confidence you can get home with four without having yeah. to blitz. So you don't have to bring an army. Yeah. So that's why that was going to be my response to Scott, John. I'm glad you had the number ready to go to uh, unwind there because that's a reason why we don't even have to have the blitz conversation. So forget Leonard Williams on the field or off the field. What he provides you is just another big body that could put pressure from the interior and force Dak Prescott out of the pocket and, you know, see what he could do that way. That's the mission that you want to accomplish with having Leonard Williams on the field. Not to say, oh, that gives us flexibility to bring guys down from the secondary and have them aggressively go after Dak Prescott. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. squeeze in these two more calls before we get to Mickey Spagnola at 215. Big Ed in Maryland. Big Ed, go ahead. What do you got? Hey, guys. What's up? What's up, man? What's up, Big Ed? Guys, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah we hear you. Loud and clear. Absolutely. Go ahead. Okay. What's going on? How are we doing? We're Ed, doing right. we're a little low on time, yeah. baby. Let's, let's go. All right. Well, I'm on the strategy level with you guys on this game. And my thinking of it is to win this game, we got to simply be aggressive. And being aggressive is if we can go block one punt, why can't we go block a couple more, particularly on special teams? If, if we can be strong enough to give them a rush to block a couple of punts, why not? If that's where the best place for us to blitz at other than normal coverage. But I feel like we got to play man-to-man and then have safety help over the top. Because we play containment in the back as well as we play containment in the front, what do you guys think? Gives our chances a very much good look, right? Well, keep in mind, you know, the Cowboys had a field day the first time they went up against the Giants, whether it be zone or man-to-man. But, you know, it reminds me, John, of the conversation you and I had against the Lions. What was that one play with, remember, the deep ball, Marvin Hall, and we talked about how the Giants actually were in the right defense on that play, and it was just a matter of the lack of execution. So, you know, to me, I I don't really think it's a matter of Big Ed. You know, they got to go to man, they got to go to zone. I I think they've had a number of good looks that have put them in promising situations. Just unfortunately, you haven't seen the execution meet the look consistently so far this season. Okay. All right. Well, okay. Well, I'm, I'm looking at it like, you know, we, we, sh- we really got a good chance. But 
here's the thing I've been wanting to say. I, I had it in my head. I've been wanting to say it for a while. Now I'm finally getting a chance to say it. We need to play what they call mistake-free football. When we play mistake-free football and make it a habit to be a, a chirping thing around the locker room to play mistake-free football, yeah, just wow. like the commercial, <laughs> we got a chance to win every game and somehow slip into the playoffs. Thank you, Big Ed. Anything's possible after that, but yep. All right, guys. I'll see y'all in a little while, man. All right, Big Ed. Friday Night Live. We're going to do it big. Appreciate the phone 24, call. 24-21, we win. Thank you, Ed. All right. Do me a favor. Right. Yep. Right. Stop by the stage. We'll be there for you. And look, the famous quote, it was either Tom Coffin or somebody else, games are lost more than they're won. And that comes to the mistake-free football. They haven't had a game without any turnovers, by the way, so far this season. So that says a lot. 201-939-4513. Let's go to our final call of the show. Let's go over to Gavin in Florida, who will wrap us up before we get to Mickey Spagnola. Gavin, what's up? What's up, guys? How you doing? Doing well, Gavin. Awesome, awesome. Sorry, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I just want to complain about Charlie and how crazy he is. (laughs) Well, we have more than enough time to complain about Charlie, so sure. Or help us win the game. The guy's been been a statue for the last three years, uh, and the Dallas Cowboys have done what to us over the last three years? Well, they've had a lot of success. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we played Daniel Dimes. He hasn't played before against the Cowboys. We see what we got. As long as the offensive line can hold up and maybe give us a little bit of time to throw the football, Saquon Barkley can get running, I think we'll have an okay day. And our defensive line has to play better. And that's it, you know. It's, it's, it's simple. You know, it's front, the two fronts, the offensive line and the defensive line. If they can show up today, then we have a shot. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, you have to be physical with the Dallas Cowboys. I agree with you there. I mean, look back at that Jets game, for example, when Dallas needed the game-tying two-point conversion and Greg Williams called on the blitz and they got the better of that front and Dak Prescott had to get rid of the football a little bit sooner than he anticipated. So, yeah, you've got to be able to get after the offensive line of the Cowboys, but you have to win your battles more often than not, and that's easier said than done. So this is going to be a huge test for the Giants' defensive line and whether or not they can consistently get home because, you know, that's going to say a lot about how the tone of this game, I think, is going to play out. Plus, Zeke's a very physical running back who can shed tackles and gain yardage after the initial hit. The mistackling, the ability to bring him down on first hit, that I think is also going to tell a lot about how effective 100%. the Giants can be. And it's about keeping the it's also about keeping their offensive line to get from getting to the second level. They can if our linebacks yeah. keep clean because our defensive line is holding up, especially now with the addition of Leonard Williams, who's a big body who can who can at least eat up one blocker. You know, our linebackers are that's the struggle. The struggle is they can't get off blocks, especially if the second if the if, if the top offensive linemen of the Cowboys get to us, you know, we're going to be, we're going to get beaten up. You know, our big guys got to get in there and beat their big guys. It's very simple football. You know? I hear you, Gavin. Appreciate the call. Thanks a lot. And look, winning up front is, is, is a big part of this. It always is. And yeah, I mean, look, the Cowboys offensive line can dominate games. Their defensive line can dominate games. Can the Giants prevent that? And we're going to find out from our next guest. He's Mickey Spagnola. He's from DallasCowboys.com and one of our frequent guests this year, we happy to get Mickey on. We had a short pregame show tonight. Couldn't squeeze him on the radio, so we want to get him on this afternoon. Mickey, first of all, how are you spending your night and afternoon in the New York City area? 
I'll tell you what, when you when you come out of a bye and then you and then you play a Monday night game, it's like this has gone on forever, ever, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, we we uh, we got up and you know I had a couple radio things to do this morning, and then we shot a little. TV thing for our website with the uh, Manhattan in the background. We're staying in Jersey City. Great view. Uh, Very nice. Had a, had a little lunch and then uh, talking to you guys, and pretty soon it's time for that early bus to go to the game. Absolutely. Yeah. And, Mickey, well, why don't we start here? Uh, you look at the numbers on, on the Cowboys, offense, defense, stats, third down, defense, offense, you name it. Go down the list. How the heck did you guys lose three games? <laughs> yeah. And, and and you're exactly right, especially when you lose uh, two of those three games by two points uh, and one of those to the Jets, which uh, after that happened, I kept saying somewhere along the line, this loss is going to come back to haunt them. And I don't know if it's, uh, you know, not winning the division or not getting in the playoffs or uh, have not having a home field advantage uh, for more than one week. Uh, but, yeah, you can't lose that game. Uh, and 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 the and the and maybe the worst part was is after you see what the Saints are doing, and mm-hmm. you went on the road and held them to 12 points and didn't win the game because you turned the ball over. Uh, that had a lot to do. Turnovers in that game, turnovers against the Packers, uh, had a lot to do with uh, the fact that they're sitting here at four and three with the stats that you uh, pointed out because the offensive stats, you know, they going into this weekend. Uh, they had the you know number one offense, and if you look at all the other stats, uh, number one offense on yards per play, yards per pass, uh, third down conversions, on and on and on. And then you're sitting here at four and three, and scrambling just to be able to stay in first place in the NFC East. Well, Mickey, the last time the Giants and the Cowboys went up against one another, Zeke was just coming off his lengthy holdout because he missed all of training camp. So just wound up with 13 carries in that game. Let's face it, they didn't really need him because Dallas had a field day through the air. But it seems to me when you look at the numbers, forget the eye test, they seem to be getting him more and more involved as the weeks have progressed. I think he's averaging 30 and a half touches over the last two games. He's had over 100 yards on the ground. How fair is that as a takeaway to say that little by little, he's now getting stronger and more acclimated to being back that they've seen to have been feeding him a little bit more within the offensive flow. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good point. Uh, you know, practice is important, right? Training camp is important. And, and I think that slowly but surely, he's kind of been building up uh, to maybe the best game he had was against the Eagles the last time the Cowboys played. And not only just from a number standpoint, but just seeing how hard he's running uh, and how he's starting to see things and seeing gaps. And, and the other thing that helps out, uh, you know, I mentioned the, the Jets game. You know, you played that game without your starting two uh, offensive tackles. And it's not just any two offensive tackles. Uh, those guys have been playing awfully, awfully well until uh, Lael Collins and Tyron Smith uh, were injured. And so... Uh, I think that's helped out, too, just kind of getting in rhythm with your offensive line uh, and then also incorporating them in the passing game. And, and, and again, you know, some, I saw somebody, uh, uh, I mean, from us locally, uh, talking about how his touches had gone down this year, that he's not, he's not uh, catching as many passes. And it's like, well, yeah, he's not catching as many passes because they've, they've got a better receiving core this year. Amari Cooper's here 
from the start of the season. Uh, Randall Cobb has stepped in and done a nice job, and Michael Gallup no longer is, it no longer is a rookie. Uh, it makes a difference when the quarterback is not dumping the ball off because he can't get it to any wide receiver who's open. Uh, so, yeah, the offense, uh, when it's when has been pretty much complete, when it's not turning the ball over, and that's got them in more trouble this year than anything else in those losses. What's the injury situation tonight, Mick? And all a bunch of couple guys are questionable. Leighton Vander Esch looks like not going to play. Anthony Brown, and then you had a bunch of guys that look like they got healthier over the bye. Yeah, they did. Uh, they, they, I mean, when they when they played uh, that that Philadelphia game, they had five guys who either didn't play the previous game or didn't finish the previous game, and all those guys uh, are ready to go. And yeah, the bye certainly helped them. Yeah, Anthony Brown, I, I think it was was uh, you know questionable, and I don't know how, if he's going to make it or not. I think Leighton Vanderish has been on the wrong side of questionable uh, all week. Uh, he suffered a stinger uh, in that game against the uh, Eagles, and uh, not sure just how much strength he has in that shoulder. So what they were going to do is they were going to give him right up to the hour and a half before game time to see uh, if he comes on uh, comes around or not. And if he doesn't, it, you know, it's Sean Lee stepping in and starting for him. So uh, I don't know that the drop-off, you know, it's. It, it, I mean, I'm not trying to minimize how good Banderesh is, but when you got a Sean Lee behind him who had been playing on the strong side, he can easily move over to the weak side if that's the way they want to work it. And I would imagine uh, with the Giants going mostly three wide receivers, they'll be in nickel, and he uh, played the majority of those snaps in nickel uh, in that game against the Eagles once uh, Leighton Vanderish went out. Uh, and then the other injury that they had uh, coming into this, uh, Cameron Fleming, their backup swing offensive tackle, uh, hurt himself in one of the practices during the bye week, if you can believe that, strained a calf muscle. And uh, my understanding is he's probably going to be out a couple weeks. Uh, so that leaves Brandon Knight, who made the team as a rookie free agent, um, and he was a guard when they when they signed him. They, I mean, a tackle when they signed him. They moved him to guard, and then when they started having injuries on the offensive line, they moved him back to tackles. So he's the backup uh, tonight for uh, Tyron Smith and and Leo Collins. I want to just follow up real quick on Van Der Esch, Mick. Is there any long term concerns there? Because coming out of college, he has a guy that had some neck problems that people had some red flags on. Yeah, and and that was one thing that they checked out, and it, it all checked out well. So this, I don't think this is a reoccurrence of that. Uh, he suffered a stinger, uh, and you know you never know how long guys take after they suffer one of those to get the strength back in their shoulder neck area, and that was the thing they were most concerned about during the week. So uh, we'll see how that goes, but. Uh, again, like I said, if he can't make it, at least you have Sean Lee in there to step in. Well, Mickey, if both of these teams have anything that's common, it's the fact that they each added a defensive lineman before they're ready to suit up tonight. The Giants adding Leonard Williams, and then, of course, the Cowboys' Michael Bennett in a trade with the Patriots. Uh, he's had some opportunity to get familiar with everything, and he's got some ties to Chris Richard when they were in Seattle together. But, you know, what is your expectation? What is their expectation of how much he's going to play tonight and what he can do as an extra defensive lineman for that front? Yeah, just step in and let's go, right? It's not like <laughs> this guy has been injured. Uh, it's not like he hasn't been practicing, uh, except for, the, I guess, the week he got suspended by uh, by the Patriots. Uh, so, yeah, he should be ready to go. Uh, and I, I think they will use him 
uh, as a backup defensive end. I think they'll use him as a rotation guy, a defensive tackle uh, inside, especially on nickel situations. Uh, yeah, and I, and I, you know, we had I heard all these questions early in the week uh, about, well, you know, how long is it going to take him to trans- transition in? And it's like, hey, it's not like this guy just came off his couch, right? <laughs> you know, I know he didn't play, and he didn't play as many snaps this year so far uh, with the Patriots than he has been playing. So, number one, he should have fresh legs. Number two, if he's coming in in nickel situation, and I don't mean to oversimplify things, but if you're coming in on nickel and you're on uh, in the middle, it's basically there's the quarterback. Go get the quarterback. You know, how difficult can that be? So uh, I, I think you know he should be. I think he should be ready to go, and I think he'll certainly help that pass rush uh, that the Cowboys need some help in the middle uh, to give them a push to help out those defensive ends. You know, and I went back and looked. Uh, last year, when he played the two games with the Eagles against the Giants, mm-hmm. and he he had he had a couple pretty good games mm-hmm. as, I, as I went back and looked. You know, he had like seven tackles, a couple sacks, four quarterback hits, a couple tackles for losses, a forced fumble. Uh, so I know the quarterback's different, but the offensive line's basically the same. So. Yeah, get him out there. Let's go. Mickey, what's been the deal with the pass rush? You know, you got Malik Collins, who's a good player, two really good outside rushers. Quinn's been great since he's been there. But just watching, I watched, I think, your last four or five games on, on, on film heading into this, the consistent pressure, and maybe it was the lack of pressure against the Jets that, that that's kind of biasing me a little bit. I, I, I just don't see it as much as I feel like the talent dictates. No, you're, you're absolutely right, and it hasn't. And hasn't been there. And, you know, let's, let's you know, I kind of look at it as, okay, uh, and, and we forget again. And I mentioned it earlier about, you know, sometimes practice is important. Maybe training camp's important. Remember, Demarcus Lawrence didn't do anything in pads until the week of the season opener. Mm. Uh, he had the shoulder surgery, and it was late. Uh, so he didn't do anything in the offseason. Uh, he never practiced in pads in training camp. Uh, didn't play in any preseason games. Uh, and then, you know, they kind of regulated his snaps, starting with the first game against the Giants. And then with Robert Quinn, who, who has been coming on these last several weeks, you know, he missed the first two weeks of the season with that suspension. And uh, early in training camp, he broke uh, the bone on the back of his hand, so he missed all the rest of that, uh, where he could have been practicing while he was going to uh, you know, serve that impending two-game suspension, but he didn't do anything uh, in pads then until the third week of the season. So sometimes that stuff matters. And then, and then I think the other thing that, that, that has really hurt him inside, especially in pass rush situations, is they lose Tyrone Crawford. And I know he's not the great pass rusher, but he's a veteran guy that can play defensive end for you, can go inside on the nickel, and he was playing and trying to play through uh, bad hips, hips that now he's going to have a surgery on each one of them to repair him. He's already oh, had one. Wow. Uh, he's going to have another one yeah. in six weeks. So, he, so they just didn't have the rotation inside that was helping with the pass rush. I think their pass rush this past game against the Eagles uh, was the best I think I've seen all season long. Now we're going to see if it's consistent. But you're exactly right. You know, I'm, and shame on them for not getting pressure on Sam Darnold. Uh, they allowed him to get comfortable in the pocket, and we saw what he was capable of doing. And then we've seen what's happened to him these last, what, three games yep. uh, when he hasn't done much because the last thing you want young, inexperienced quarterbacks is to get comfortable in the pocket. Make sure 
they're, you've got pressure on them. And I know the Cowboys aren't a big blitz team, uh, but they should have been blitzing the heck out of him, and they let him get comfortable and comfortable enough to throw a 92-yard touchdown pass. Come on, please. Mickey's still annoyed about it. <laughs> well, Mickey, it sounds like you've been itching to get back to MetLife Stadium more so than the team. <laughs> <laughs> I can go back in and give them the speech, right? It's like, you know, everybody wanted to, everybody wanted to come down on, on Jason Garrett's uh, decision to go for fourth and, fourth and one at the, at the seven-yard line. It's like, okay, fine. But if you didn't make it, didn't have to lose a yard, and you didn't have to on the next play give up a 92-yard touchdown pass, that's part of the decision, right? You're thinking, okay, if I don't make it, I got them backed up at the eight-yard line, seven-yard line, whatever it was going to be, and chances are they're going to punt, and we're going to catch the punt at the 50-yard line. And then in one play, you give up a 92-yard touchdown pass. You know that had as much to that that, and it was 17 seconds. So I figured it out. That 17 seconds sequence basically decided that ball game that day. Mickey, we appreciate the time, my friend. Okay, I'll see you tonight. Yep. Good stuff, Mick. Thanks, I'll make Mickey. sure you say hello. Have a good one, Mick. Appreciate it. That's okay, Mickey. See you guys. Be uh-huh. good. Mickey Spagnola, DallasCowboys.com. Excellent job as always. Always good to hear from him. Absolutely. No, some great stuff. So it sounds like no Van Der Esch, Which we talked about off the top. No Fleming. Yep. And Anthony Brown seems like a 50-50 game time decision. Jordan Lewis would play if he doesn't. Yeah. I mean, they've had a number of young guys that they've drafted over the last few years as insurance policies. So I don't think that is going to throw a curveball for them. And, you know, as he pointed out, Mickey, in terms of Sean Lee, the security blanket that he serves in the event that Leighton Van Der Esch is hurt, it's a similar type of rationale as they approach the secondary the same way. Final thoughts? Well, I'm just going to basically rehash what we said off the top. Uh, This is going to show us a lot about how far perhaps the Giants have come or perhaps if they're still stuck in the Achilles heel of issues. Got to stop the explosive plays. You've got to protect the football because you can't give a Cowboys team a short field. You do that, John, all bets are off. And... You've got to be able to sustain lengthy drives and, most important, finish it off with touchdowns. They can accomplish those three things. I think they can make this game very interesting. Uh, my final thought is I agree. I think we touched on all that stuff at the top of the show. Can the defense get off the field, prevent big plays? Offensively, you got to be good on first and second down. I want to throw one of the nugget in because we kind of talk, touched this briefly on Friday. I know people have asked, you know, the Leonard Williams thing is a free agent. Why are you making the deal for him, giving up picks for a guy that's going to be a free agent? And the argument that not a lot of people have made – but the more I thought about it, I'll make it now. And this is something that I thought of myself. It seemed like the Jets were pretty dead set on trading him, right? They yeah, were going to look like him. they were, well, or at least move on from him at the end of the season, right? But I, but this is important to my point. Okay, is that if they were dead set on trading him, and it sounds like they were going to trade him, whoever got him in that trade was going to make sure they were not going to let him walk, which means they were probably likely to franchise tag him okay. if they didn't come out to a long term deal. And once another team has the franchise tag on the player, you can't get to him. So Dave Gettleman's thought might have been, look, if they're going to trade him to another team, then that is then going to franchise the guy. If I really want him on my roster, yeah, you go the only way I could get him is by making the trade. So that, to me, is the argument that makes sense. And I understand it. If you think that guy is so valuable that you have to have him, and I kind of agree with the point where if you don't trade for him, another team will. They're going to franchise tag him. You're not going to get him. So I get it. I get it.
Well, but I think if the Giants wind up signing him to a long-term deal, which seems to be the direction that they're eventually going to head, John, doesn't that make this a whole moot point? No, but you, you, well, you could make, the argument that people would make is that you could assign him to a long-term deal without trading picks for him and just sign him in the offseason as a free agent. Well, yeah, assuming, though, to your point, that he actually reaches free agency. Correct. So, I mean, Correct. there's always that risk involved. It, it sort of reminds me of, I, I remember having this debate with the Teddy Bridgewater conversation when he was traded and, you know, people were saying, well, you know, you could sign him outright at the end of the season. But then again, I don't think anybody was going to franchise tag Teddy Bridgewater. So the parameters are a little bit different, John. To your point, Leonard Williams coming off a rookie deal, a little bit younger, doesn't have the same injury history as a Teddy Bridgewater. That's why every player in terms of how you approach a trade, contract extension, they're all on islands because not everybody is bunched together and you treat them and you have the same approach. That's good stuff. Absolutely. All right, make sure you tune in tonight. Our pregame show begins at 6.45 on Sports Radio 66, WFAN and 101.9, WFAN-FM. Myself, Lance, will do the hosting. You have Jeff Fiegels. You have Paul Dettino. We'll be at MetLife Central if you're going to the game. Stop by, say hello at the MetLife stage. Then, of course, Bob Papa, Carl Banks, and Howard Cross on the call. Madeline Burke on the sideline as well. I will be in the locker room postgame with Lance, Carl, and Bob handling duties up in the booth. Make sure you check it out and stay tuned. We have a bunch of great preview stuff on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. Make sure you tune into that as well. Big Blue Kickoff Live was brought to you by Coors Light. Enter to win the ultimate VIP game day experience courtesy of Coors Light. Text VIP to 90464 for more details. For Lance Benno, I'm John Schmelk. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time, everybody. Adios. Have a good one.